Hello and welcome to the Birds and Braves podcast. I'm Luke Winstall, thank you for tuning in, and today we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. A few days ago I put out on the official social media, at Birds Braves Pod, I put this out on Twitter, I had a poll and I said, alright, what do you want to hear me talk about? Do you want to hear about the Falcons, the Hawks, the Braves? What do you want this podcast to cover? And the fans have spoken. You all chose the Atlanta Falcons and their 2017 playoff push. So now we'll start off and we'll go back and I'll tell you about the Saints game and really my take there. The Falcons coming into the game haven't looked like themselves at all so far this season. Atlanta's had too many penalties, too many drops. They've just not executed well at all, especially on offense. And they have an atrocious minus five turnover margin and the Falcons can't expect to contend with a margin like that. And the offense, it's not their fault. They haven't been turning it over at too high of a clip. But the defense has not been generating enough turnovers, especially in big games. Like the game against New Orleans, the Falcons minus one in the turnover margin. You can be successful with a turnover margin like that, as the Falcons have been. But you can't expect to be successful in the playoffs and make a long Super Bowl run when you're minus five. And it's just interesting they are minus five because that's a big point of emphasis for Coach Dan Quinn. And he's a guy who especially emphasizes takeaways to the defensive unit. But nevertheless, the Falcons headed into the Superdome against New Orleans for a rivalry game. Addition number two this season and it had gargantuan playoff implications. The winner is in. The loser has to win this week. And now the Falcons lost. In case you haven't heard, it was a 23-13 decision, and they have to beat Carolina or else they're eliminated and their season is over. I know that the fans, especially the Falcons fans, are, I'm sure, thinking about the referees and their calls. A lot of Falcons fans think they were pretty bad calls, a lot of them. And I just want to note that because that's a big point from that game. Atlanta tallied 10 penalties for 91 yards, the most this season in a game that they really had to win. But again, it wasn't a must-win because now the must-win is here. It's the Carolina game on Sunday. But New Orleans was not gifted a victory by the referees, but they just outplayed the Falcons. The one-sided penalty call certainly didn't help the Falcons, though. And the 10 penalties against Atlanta is the most they've had in a regulation game since October 4th of 2015 against Houston. The officiating crew led by Pete Morelli was the same crew that had a game on October 10th of 2017 between the Eagles and the Panthers, and Philadelphia was penalized 10 times for 126 yards, while Carolina was penalized one time for one yard. And for Atlanta, it was just really funny. I was sitting there, all these penalties are happening, and it's first and 40 for Atlanta on offense. That is just ridiculous, and it just, they kept piling up, and It really kind of made the game hard to watch. I really had the urge to turn it off a few times. I was just thinking, man, this is ridiculous. But I kept watching, and it just was a little bit disappointing from the officiating perspective, to be completely honest. Now for some game grades from PFF and a recap. I'll start with New Orleans. They won the game 23-13, and Drew Brees was fantastic. He was 21-28 for passing for 239 yards, one touchdown, And he also threw an interception. Ted Ginn Jr. had a stellar day as well with a 54-yard receiving touchdown at the end of the first half. And he burned Atlanta and their cornerback Desmond Trufon on what was pretty much the defense's lone big mistake of the day. But outside of that, the defense was really pretty good. They did their job and they held up their end of the bargain. For New Orleans, the Kamara and Ingram duo, the two-back attack, combined for 156 scrimmage yards and a touchdown on a 26-yard Mark Ingram run. 
Another key player, another rookie, Marshawn Lattimore for New Orleans had a butt interception. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go back and watch it. Also had three pass breakups and did a fine job on Julio Jones. And it was Lattimore's primary job to defend Julio. But I do have to say that Lattimore did get burned one time on a double move from Julio. But Lattimore did a good job keeping Jones out of the end zone. And he did just about as good as any defensive back, especially a rookie defensive back, can do against who I believe is the best receiver in the NFL. I put a poll out on Twitter, and of the followers of the Birds and Braves podcast, over 2,200 followers on Twitter, so please join the movement and follow at Birds Braves Pod. But of all the people that voted on our poll, I believe it was 36 votes or somewhere in that range, 69% said Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL despite being number three in receiving yards. And for New Orleans, those rookies are just, they're something else. They had an incredible draft last season. Two of their picks, cornerback Marshawn Lattimore and running back Alvin Kamara, may be the rookie of the year on their respective sides of the ball. The Saints had a good draft, and with those two guys, among others, they reloaded their offense and defense and revamped it completely. And they'll likely be serious contenders as long as they have Drew Brees or somebody spectacular at quarterback. And now to move to the visiting team, to the Atlanta Falcons. Julio Jones led the team on offense and he had 149 receiving yards, but it just wasn't enough from a New Orleans defense that got a big performance from linebacker Manti Teo, who is their highest graded player according to PFF. He got an 85.1 grade and had one of his best games of the year. And now to talk a little bit more about Julio Jones, he was the second highest graded wide receiver in the NFL with an 86.3 grade behind only DeAndre Hopkins last week, who was graded an 86.7. Jones was graded the number one wide receiver in 2017 in terms of yards per route run ahead of Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, and Adam Thielen. Now I want to move on and talk about the Atlanta Falcons defensive line, which really kind of failed to show up. The Falcons only pressured Drew Brees on 6 of his 20 dropbacks and Brees completed 78.3% of his passes when he was not pressured. Overall, Brees had an 88.0 adjusted completion percentage and the Falcons defensive line just did not get the job done. And part of it may be because Vic Beasley played only 21 snaps, which is 32% of the team's defensive snaps. But he did make a nice TFL against New Orleans earlier in the game that forced them to settle for a field goal in the midst of one of their drives that looked like it would end in a touchdown. Another guy I want to talk about on the Falcons' defensive line is Grady Jarrett. Defensive tackle, 2015 fifth-round draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons, and he has blossomed with the playing time he's gotten into a top-five defensive tackle in the NFL this season, in my opinion. I say that because he's just insanely disruptive, which is really what you ask for from a guy at that position. Jarrett can get penetration because he's incredibly quick, he's explosive, and he's smart. And additionally, he makes tackles all over the field and is an awesome piece on the Falcons' defensive line. And he's another guy that's fun to watch. And alongside Dontari Poe, he limited New Orleans to just 2.8 yards per carry last week. That was really good. They did a nice sound job keeping things shut down on the defensive line against New Orleans and again that two-back attack that ended up doing really more damage through the air than they did on the ground. Those two guys only combined for 156 yards. 
But again, it was enough for New Orleans to win because the Atlanta offense was just not productive enough. They didn't hold up their end. And the last guy I'll mention on the defensive line was Adrian Claiborne, who was the highest graded defensive lineman for Atlanta, had an 83.1 overall grade according to Pro Football Focus. And speaking of highly graded players, Keanu Neal was the Falcons' highest graded player with an 88.4 overall grade. That was almost two points higher than the grade Julio Jones got, so you know that Neal played a really good game. He was the second highest graded safety in the NFL behind only Harrison Smith of Minnesota, and he was all over the field and recorded eight tackles and one pass breakup. With the Saints throwing a lot of passes to their running backs, it put Neal in a position where he had to make a lot of plays and especially a lot of plays out in space. I would say that the biggest success for Neil, and the thing that I liked most, was he didn't miss a tackle all game. Even though Alvin Kamara caught five of the six balls thrown his way, Neil was impressive when he was covering Kamara because he only allowed the rookie to gain a total of six yards after the catch. So in those five balls he caught, he's only getting just over one yard after the catch. So great job by Keanu Neal. Another young stud, another bright spot on the Falcons' defense, linebacker Deion Jones with an 84.8 overall grade. He picked off Drew Brees in the second half and gave the Falcons a glimmer of hope before the offense squandered it away. He had exactly six tackles for the second straight game and did his part in limiting the Saints' backs through the air, averaged just 4.5 yards allowed when targeted. And the interception Jones had, a fun fact, it was his third career pick against New Orleans, and that's in four games in his career versus his hometown team as Jones is from the state of Louisiana. And the Falcons' second-year defensive duo of Neal and Jones has just shown out all season long, and they've done a nice job defending the explosive New Orleans offense. And now the guy that has been taking a lot of blame for the Falcons' struggles recently, quarterback Matt Ryan. Now, he shouldn't be taking any blame. He's done a nice job. And against New Orleans, Matt had an 82.8 overall grade, and his bad interception luck continued. And I point to that play where New Orleans got the butt interception, and Pro Football Focus claims that he threw a perfect dig route, and his best throws of the night came on a back shoulder pass to receiver Julio Jones, and a perfectly placed deep ball throw to Jones. But there just weren't enough move-the-chain passes to sustain drives, and Ryan finished 4 for 9 for 94 yards, and that drop dig route pass on passes thrown at least 10 yards in the air, and the Falcons overall were just bad on third downs. After the game, Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan was named by PFF the third top-graded quarterback in the NFL this season, with an 89.0 overall grade, behind only Ben Roethlisberger with an 89.3, and Tom Brady with a 94.8, and I think Brady should win the MVP this season, and Matt Ryan being in the same sentence as Tom Brady again, so that's pretty good. Ryan's really done a solid job, and out of his 12 interceptions, 75% of them were not his fault, and I'll talk about that in a future podcast. Now, I talked about some of the highlights of the game, some players for Atlanta that did a nice job. Here's a guy who didn't. Devontae Freeman was awful. A 35.2 overall grade according to PFF. Ouch. He had 37 yards on 12 carries, and that only tells part of the story for Free, whose game will be remembered for a goal line fumble, as well as two penalties. One was a face mask, the other an unnecessary roughness call. Both of those after the play, and really just unnecessary. Even though that unnecessary roughness was very debatable, he just can't have those penalties called. 
That's two big penalties that cost Atlanta a lot offensively. They were two drive killers as well. And here's the thing that really killed the Falcons that Freeman did. It's not the penalties. It's his fourth fumble in the past three games, which just proved disastrous as the Falcons struggled in the red zone. He fumbled it on the one-yard line, and that was a turnover. It was one of a number of plays that were just absolute backbreakers for Atlanta. Whenever they'd get momentum, they just seemed to give it right back. And one note, a fun fact to sprinkle in, Atlanta has not won a game when they've scored less than 20 points this season. And even with the loss, Nate Silver's 538 still has Atlanta with a 73% chance to make the playoffs. And here's something I really wanted to talk about. The Falcons lead the NFL in dropped passes this season. They surpassed the 49ers in that mark. 15 games into the season, the offense still can't execute. That's their 2017 identity, and that is just absolutely terrible. The Saints had a first-half shutout on Atlanta for the first time in the Sean Payton era, and some dropped passes. One of them turned into that butt interception. Again, if you haven't seen it, Google it and go watch it. But it's just ridiculous. Atlanta cannot have this. They can't fail to execute when they've probably got the most talented offense in the league, if not top three in terms of talent. Some people would straight up blame the coaching for this, and I don't want to blame the coaching, but I think it has had something to do with it. The coaching changed both offensively and defensively. Atlanta got new coordinators. So I do believe that has something to do with execution, and in the first year of offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, Atlanta already has one more win and a shot at the playoffs than they did when Kyle Shanahan was in his first year in Atlanta. And now let's go to goal line situations. Where's Duntari Poe? Let's get the big guys in there. Sarkeesian did it earlier this season. It worked then. It should work now. I really would like to see it happen again. The Falcons have struggled in goal line situations. They had the ball two times in the one-yard line against New Orleans. They came away with zero points total. Put Duntari Poe in. Put some of the big guys in and just let them block. It really, it's worked before. It's time to do it again. And for some key plays from the game against New Orleans, the Marvin Hall drop caused what may have been a 14-point swing because you have the butt interception on that play. And that stopped the Falcons' potential touchdown scoring drive before the half. And then, as soon as New Orleans gets the ball back, Desmond Trufant gets burned on the ensuing drive after the interception. And then another 7-point swing, Devontae Freeman's fumble on the 1-yard line. And if you just take those two plays, it's a total of a 21-point swing. The Falcons lost by 10. Factor in the awful officiating. The Falcons had every opportunity to win this game, and it was theirs to go get. And now, to cap off the show, we've got a few notes. The first is injury. Falcons tight end Levine Toilolo went down. He was ruled out for the rest of the game. And that left the Falcons with one tight end, Austin Hooper, for the rest of the game, and he did a fine job. And since the 3-0 start, the Falcons have been an average team. They've been 500. They're 6-6 in their past 12 games. They're 9-6 overall. If they win, they'll have a 10-win season in their first year under offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian and defensive coordinator Marquand Emanuel. And that would be considered a great success. The Falcons would also have a playoff slot should they win, but they've got a tough matchup against Carolina. After the loss, the Falcons slid two spots down both the ESPN and NFL.com power rankings to 11th in the NFL. And within the next couple of days, I will be releasing a show previewing the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers game that will be happening this Sunday. So check back 
to the Birds and Braves podcast to catch that. That'll do it for our show. That's all I have. Thank you for tuning into the Birds and Braves podcast. Be sure to follow on social media at Birds Braves Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Luke Winstall, and I appreciate your support of the podcast.